Broadway Bullet, Volume 802, Groundhog Day, Puffs, and Lighting at the Public Theater, for July 25th, 2017. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing at broadwaybullet.com. Great episode today. We have got John Sanders uh, starring in Groundhog Day on Broadway. We've got Langston Belton, who is making his uh, professional like equity debut in The Puffs, the play, off-Broadway. And we're going to talk with Zach Murphy, the lighting supervisor at The Public, about all sorts of things. So we got a lot of fun going on. We're also going to hear from one of my students who just graduated, hear his experience out and about doing Broadway Bullet with me, and hear a song from him as well. So... We got a full ride. Hop on board. Hi, this is Michael Gilbo, your host for Broadway Bullet, Volume 802. And I'm really excited about this episode. We got three great things going on here. We've got John Sanders from Groundhog Day. And I will say, like, usually we put up all the unedited interviews in a separate thing. You can go to broadwaybullet.com or SoundCloud or check your uh, podcast feed to find those. I would have gladly made John Sanders' interview a little bit longer in this episode, but um, he outlined so completely his steps going and, and growing and making a career as an actor that it was just hard to find a break. So if you are an actor or really learning how to make a career in this business, I really urge you to check out because he so lays it out in detail. We've also got Langston Belton, who is starring in Puffs off Broadway. And we've got Zach Murphy, who has been the lighting supervisor at The Public, going into tons of detail about lighting. And it may sound boring, but, you know, lighting is something we all have to deal with in uh, the theater. Whether we want to design it or not, it's probably a good idea to understand what it's all about. So uh, he lays it out really well, and I, I help him get into layman's terms so he can understand it. But it's a great, great thing. Also, I want to remind everybody that this uh, podcast is partially sponsored by the University of Providence, formerly University of Great Falls, where I have started a brand new program in theater and business arts. Really different kind of program. We outline... Uh, not only how to be an artist, because it is about arts. It's not a theater administration degree. You do practice theater arts and doing stuff, but also the business of being an artist. You learn practical ways that you can go about making a career. And the first uh, class is starting this September, and we still have some room. Brand new program. It was just finally approved in May, and I guarantee this first class is going to get an amazing amount of attention. So go check out uprovidence.edu, or we also have more information at broadwaybullet.com. I also will be bringing a student with me to help uh, with Broadway Bullet each time I go out twice a year, 
And we hear from one of my uh, previous students who went out this uh, semester. And I'm also going to play you a song that I recorded as a graduation gift for him. Amazing singer. So he can tell you, Matt Bartolotta, what that's all about. In any case, it's time to jump on board to the program. Special thanks to our location sponsor. Thanks to the Dramatist Guild Fund for welcoming us to their space for today's podcast. Providing the music hall at DGF for writers to use for free is one of the many ways the Dramatist Guild Fund supports writers. I encourage you to find out more about DGF by visiting their website at www.dgffund.org or connecting with them on Twitter at DGFund. Up close. I am sitting here with John Sanders, who is in Groundhog's Day and such an insanely famous and rich Broadway theater actor that oh, he yeah. came in drinking a $13 bottle of green juice. Oh, man. <laughs> How I are you doing? feel the need to prove my worth at every step of the day. I'm doing great, Michael. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> so how's, how's the Groundhog's Day ride been? Groundhog Day is awesome, man. Um, uh, you know, we, uh, we're up and running now. We've been through some highly publicized bumps in the road, um, <clears throat> but it all resulted in uh, a bunch of fantastic reviews and seven Tony nominations, and now we've got full houses, and uh, we're rolling. Yeah. I was really surprised at how well given, especially, you know, even Matt was pointing out to me, my student, you know, how it honed so tight to the movie and worked so well as a musical at the same time. Yeah, that's totally true. You know, um, of course, we've got Danny Rubin, who uh, wrote the movie, who is our yeah. uh, book writer for the show. And um, so that helps right there. So there's confidence in the material uh, uh, right off the bat. Um, and so he uh, uh, um, worked with Tim Minchin over a series of years, our composer, um, to... Uh, to figure out where the songs go, what the song should be about. And, um, and in fact, he was much more willing to play mm -hmm. um, with the material. And then, um, and then Tim and, and Matthew Warchus, our director, would be like, oh, no, no, we can't, we can't change that. That's a classic, that's a classic part, you know? Yeah. Um, and so what, what you end up with is essentially the story and in a lot of ways the script from the movie um, uh, uh, reworked and uh, reshuffled and blown up mm -hmm. um, and not just by Tim's music but yeah. also by Danny's writing yeah. and the way that he has allowed this story to evolve and, and crafted it with Tim and Matthew um, into the show that we have. And what we end up with is a show that um, you know, I'm of a certain age where I remember when this movie came yeah, out, so yeah, and uh, and um, and I have a lot. Well, of you're not of a certain age that you look like you're you look <laughs> much younger than you're. Uh, uh, thank stage. you, thank you. They they age me up a yeah. little bit in the show. It's, that's for sure. Um, I mean, yeah. And um, uh, but I remember this movie, and I, a lot of my friends remember and like revere this movie. And the ones that have come to see the show have said that this movie. Uh, um, uh, th that this musical does it justice 
and that they're not disappointed at all. That like all of the comedy touchstones are there, all of the the deep existential touchstones are there, <laughs> the great jokes, the all the characters are there. Um, and yet there's it's a musical, so there's even more explored. Yeah. You know, it goes deeper. But and this is a key point, I think, it doesn't attempt to answer any of the questions that the movie that the original story raises. It just explores the questions more deeply, you know. Um, so it doesn't come off as pat. You know? Well, I think part of why it works so well is, you know, I've been told many times that, you know, musical theater and, and music in theater is good to either explode a moment into something much bigger or to compress time. Mm. And I think with recycling, with the regeneration, mm. you know, of the day, I think the music becomes a very fast shorthand over time to, to repeat in a way that, it can move those scenes in the same way much faster than the movie could, yeah. which gives you the room to explore those other moments. Right, right, right. And it can, uh, uh, it can up the tension much more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and also the, uh, uh, the choreography plays a lot with time as well. We have tons of freezes and slow motion, stop motion type of things yeah. that we do in the show, and that's all about playing with time. So, yeah. I got to ask, there. though. How is it figuring out and rehearsing for all those turntables? <laughs> I, yeah. think the, I think turntables <laughs> have been thoroughly explored in Groundhog's Day. How oh, many man. are there? there it seems like there are turntables within turntables within turntables. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's a, what you just said is exactly right. Um, there are five turntables. And That's there it? Are, uh, uh, there, it yeah. seems like a lot more. No, there are five, but there are literally turntables within a turntable yeah. within another turntable. Yeah. Um, and so there, there are, uh, uh, there's one big turntable, and then there's a middle-sized turntable within that, but it's off-center, mm -hmm. right? And then, um, and then within that middle-sized turntable, are three smaller turntables. Um, and so in that way, it's, it's like geometrically possible to do so many different things. So Matthew Warshus has this great idea that, he, that he's talked about before where he says about the turntables that you need to get the timing right, you need to get the, the lines right, in, and it's such a complicated scenario and equation that it ends up being like turning mathematics into emotion. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of how he works, uh, which appeals to my brain. Um, <laughs> I am the, you know, the, the son of a, of a theater major and an engineer slash businessman. Um, and... Uh, um, and I'm a big Star Trek fan. You know, I like the, I like the science and the logic side of things a lot, and that really appeals to me. And 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 he tends to treat his art like science, um, and approach it from that sort of level of detail. And um, and I really like it. But learning on the turntables was really interesting. They built an entire um, turntable for us. I mean, the set of five in the studio. Okay. In the rehearsal studio, um, separate from the one they were building in the theater, so that because we had to have it yeah. to rehearse the show, um, and so they would just sometimes in the morning they would just turn it on full speed, and we would just practice getting on and off of it, walking backwards on it, yeah. doing you know dancing on it, doing some of our choreography on it while it's moving, yeah. and, and the different turntables are moving in different directions, and uh, so they they really gave us a lot of time to get used to it, and um, you know it took a couple months to really get used to it, but now it's really second nature. Yeah. <laughs>
any problems with the turntables or previews? Or, oh man, yeah, so many. <laughs> when you got that kind of complex things, I imagine no matter what, there's. Yeah, yeah, well, it, yeah, totally. And um, and and in London, they had zero problems. Oh, really? Okay. With it. it never stopped. And um, since we've since they figured out all of the issues, yeah. it hasn't stopped. Um, and and that's been like uh, we've been almost a month now without okay. without any issues. Oh no, knock on wood. Where's the wood? Um, um, but um, when we started, famously, our first preview uh, was halted about fifteen minutes into the performance because the turntable stopped and they couldn't immediately figure out what was wrong. Um, and so we had to do the rest of the first preview as a concert performance at the front of the stage, um, which ended up being kind of an amazing night because everybody <laughs> just kind of stepped up and yeah. made it happen. And the audience was, um, it was our first preview, so it was a lot of friends and they were really behind us and everything. Um, but uh, then we continued to have small problems, um, both communication and mechanical problems. Uh, because the the inner turntables, because they spin independently of the larger one, they're run by industrial Bluetooth. That's how they get their signals okay. from the operations board. And so some of those, you know, as we know in this day and age where there's wireless signals everywhere, yeah. you know, some of those signals can kind of get disrupted a little bit. And, yeah. So, uh, 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 but eventually we, you know, we got all worked out. <laughs> For the, I mean... Comedy to me also seems to really benefit by the preview process. Did the did the show change at all during the preview process in terms of the jokes and feeding and learning where the audience was reacting um, on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I'd hesitate to say that the actually the show changed, and the reason I say yeah. that is because everything in the show is so tight and it's written to be that way. And also, they already did it in London. And so, well, but I was thinking maybe Londoners might find different things funny than Americans. That is them. true. And I, I don't think on the top of my head that I can think of any actual, like, things they, the, the creatives changed as a result to the laughs. But there might have been. I remember there's this one moment where um, in, in Rita's song, Barrett Doss plays Rita, and, and, and in her song, um, One Day, near the end of Act One, that she's singing about the kind of guy that she wants. And he'd like hiking and baking and biking, you know, and da-da-da, and he'd dance, and then he has the, the line, this is a guy we're talking about, right? <laughs> And there's a couple of measures before she comes back in, bum, 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 and starts singing again. And in rehearsals, I was always like, what the heck is this? Why are we just sitting around waiting? And then it dawned on me, oh, laughs. So they've already written the laughs into the music. Um, and it's, you know, mathematics into yeah. emotion. Like, they've already figured this stuff out, you know. Um, but definitely when I got up there for the first time and did my first Ned scenes, I then realized, oh, this is where the laughs go. And I'd never really anticipated exactly where they would land. And of course you never do. But then um, but yeah, the previews are essential for that, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you have a great song, is Ned in yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a beautiful song. Um were yeah. you, were you, you know you're talking, it sounds like you're involved in the London, right? No, no, no I were. wasn't. Oh, you sound very okay. You just sound very familiar with the London. So, well, I did, yeah, yeah, I know what was. Yeah, I knew that I was going to be involved in the Broadway show when okay. London was happening. So, yeah, okay. uh, so I followed it closely. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, it's a song called Night Will Come, and it uh, comes in the second act. Uh, the first act is all about Phil um, getting through his repeating days and realizing that he's in this time loop and that he can't get out and, um, and that he's stuck. The second act is what he does about it. He tries to kill himself over and over again. Um, and then Wonderful he's, scene. It's fantastic. <laughs> and then he starts to look around him um, and actually see the people around him and turn over stones. And, um, and probably the most important example of that in the show is when he learns about Ned and about Ned's past, um, his recent past and the sorrow and sadness that he's experiencing. And, um, and so what they've done is they've created this gorgeous montage between three things, the piano lesson, when he is learning how to play piano, um, and the saving of the old man, um, when he repeatedly, he learns that the old man who's been asking him for change every morning uh, dies that day. And he learns that that happens, and he spends many, many days trying to save him. And while those two things are happening, we see Ned standing at the center of the stage singing this song about, um, about coming to terms with death and coming to terms with uh, loss and the loss of a loved one. And, um, yeah, it's a this really beautiful piece of music. Um, and it's one of the, one of the only times uh, there's... You know, one or two times in the show where someone stands on stage and just sings. And this is, you know, this is one of the only times that that, 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 that happens. It's very still and um, contemplative. And, uh, and it's an important moment in the show for Phil, too, because it's when he learns that he is, um, when he learns something really important about, you know, death and life and accepting his fate. And then he from there moves into wanting to help other people and create value in his world. Uh, and that leads him to the end of the show. On and on and on you stumble on Towards the evening sun She waits for you with open arms You stare right through her On and on you fall towards her Cold embrace in shadowed doorway Offers nothing, still she draws you ever to her. On and on and on you stumble on towards the sinking sun. Turn a blind eye, fight or run. Rest assured, the night will come. and guess and search for patterns in the mess of what has been and what is left to yet endure the jester shrugs and plays his part the fearful see only dark the pious with their hope-filled hearts sing hallelujah on and on and on you stumble on towards the cooling sun turn a blind eye fight or run rest assured 
night will come All the love and all the gold All you've built and all you've sold all the power you may hold You won't evade her All the steel All the bricks All the math and magic tricks All the carrots All the sticks Will not dissuade her On and on and on You stumble on Towards the fading sun Blind I fight or run, rest assured, the night will come. Rest assured, the night will come. As for that, the rest is just a test of your endurance You gotta love life, you gotta love life You gotta love life All right. Well, thanks so much for coming down hey, and sharing you. about your experiences. I, I really enjoyed watching Groundhog's Day. I hope a lot more people get the chance to see you. I hope so, too. See your song. Yeah, buy the cast album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cast album's out. I know yeah. Matt's been listening to it over and over since on and on. Very nice, day. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Hey, thank you. On the Boards. I talked to a couple people involved in Puffs, the play off-Broadway, the take on uh, things that involve Potter, and uh, they kind of knew this was coming, but it wasn't official, so he couldn't say it. But I did want to let everybody know that Puffs, the play, has moved to New World Stages, a fantastic venue off-Broadway, and they're committed there till at least January 14th. Now, I'd like to talk with a good friend of mine who is uh, one of the leads. I am sitting here with Langston Belton, who is one of the stars of the surprise off-Broadway success Puffs, which is an alternate re alternate look at the world of Harry. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> and uh, for people who might be fans of Potter, yeah, is that that's the way it's supposed to be? <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfectly perfectly stated. I didn't have to do. I was looking at you. I was I was like yes, yes, yes. There you go. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, it was perfect. That's a perfect description. Yeah. There are like specific rules governing how fan fiction can be put yeah, out for I mean, there's, the world of Harry. Yeah, right? for, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's stressful because there are some times where, where we'd be in the show and uh, there have been times where one of us has like almost slipped up and like almost said this thing. It's like, oh, well, no, don't say that. Or what if mm -hmm. we, like, and you have to catch yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, no, that was perfect. That was perfect introduction. Mm -hmm. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, for those listeners out there, I was really excited about this because I've known Langston for a long time. Yeah. Good friends with my stepdaughter. And mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I think the first time I saw Langston on stage was 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. John Jay. You're the doing Crucible, yeah. Yeah, you saw you doing The Crucible at John Jay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, college. Way back, way back in the day when I didn't know anything about anything. I was just a young, budding actor. Yeah. That, was a, that was a interesting experience. That was like the first play that I ever did 
in front of like a large group that had like a director and a <laughs> stage manager and you know people making sure that you were off book. I didn't know what that meant at the time. <laughs> and then they were like, "Hey, you're John Proctor. Also, you're off. Be off book." And I go, "I don't know who." Uh, it was, uh, but it was lovely. It was amazing. Oh yeah, that is a jeez. Wow, that is a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and seen a couple of your comedy gigs mm -hmm. and stuff, and then I, I I know you've been working incredibly hard, you know, to, and, and now finally yeah. <laughs> you're emerging with a with a really nice kind of break here. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's been so awesome. It's just been such a, a crazy, interesting journey. Uh, like you said, from doing uh, shows at the People's Improv Theater in New York, which is where I first met Matt uh, Matt Cox, who wrote Puffs. Um, yeah, so it's been a really interesting like chain of events that have led every kind of led from doing theater at John Jay to doing like uh, some other uh, short form improv comedy in the city uh, and then moving on to doing long form at the pit and then doing the show. It's been such a weird kind of leapfrog from these different lily pads to this, but it's been cool. It's really nice. It's still a trip. It's still, it's like still super fun to do. Yeah. So for those who aren't aware of mm -hmm. what, Puffs is exactly other, you know, that it's another in the in the universe. Mm -hmm. What what tell tell our listeners what the show is? Well, the show is uh, it's all like you said, it's all seven years of of the the Potter saga told from the perspective of one of the uh, lesser beloved houses, the Puffs, <laughs> uh, and um, it is it is a ensemble piece, the definition of an, of an ensemble piece, everyone is doing everything at all times. Uh, aside from uh, myself and the other uh, two members of the trio, uh, Zach Moon and Julianne Earls, uh, everyone else plays multiple characters. Everyone else plays every, not only their base, their Puffs character, but yeah. other characters within that the, the Potter universe. Um, and it's just, it's a 90 minute, not race, but it's a sprint. We're moving through all these seven years. And How big of, is the cast? Uh, it is 16 people. I always get 16? this. 16? 16, yeah. It's, For an off-Broadway play, 16 actors. Yeah. Is Whoa. A, I think so. Right? I always get that number wrong because there's everyone is Even always looks different. Close. Even everyone always a... looks different. I always get confused. <laughs> I'm like, who's, how many people, who's, who's where? Because we're always all running yeah. around. And it's tough to get, sometimes tough to get a head count. But yeah, no, it's about, uh, like, yeah, 16, you just... Didn't, yeah. the, didn't the author hear the rule that you're supposed to limit it to five? Yeah. Plays? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you actually teach that and play yeah, that. And he's like, now. nah, but, yeah. nah, you guys. It, it's just it's just a testament to the faith that yeah. Matt puts in every one of the actors that it's like he every time he gives you something or uh, uh, Kristen McCarthy Parker, who's our amazing director, every time they gave us something to work with or you know, to chew on, they always were very, 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 very keen on what everyone's magic trick was. Like, yeah. we can put this person here in this show and it'll sing because yeah. they are so, so readily and readily <laughs> ready yeah. to believe in our utmost abilities. Um, so it's nice. So it's like it's actually it, it sometimes feels like, oh, man, we're doing sometimes we're doing a lot. Yeah. But it does because we all help each other. Like when we're doing that show, we're all backstage doing, you know, different parts and different like I do some things backstage with handing props to people and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so everyone's helping everyone else do the show, which is really cool. Yeah. So how long has this been running now? Uh, it's been over uh, uh, a year, because we, we did it for a year at the pit. We had about 50 performances there, 
and then we moved uh, uh, to our, our new space, and our we've had our hundredth show since at the at our new space. Um, uh, but it's just, uh, it, it's been so long that it all kind of runs <laughs> together. Every time it's like, how long you been doing? And I go like, since, since I can't remember a time where I was not doing the show. Um, but yeah, I think it's been about two years, two and change since like that first reading that we had at the pit. Uh, yeah. So is it, is the audience usually primarily Potter fans or do well, you, do you get people that aren't familiar with it? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really familiar with it when I first got in. I was, when Potter first came out, I was, I think of an age range where I was not necessarily going to be like, oh, a book came out. I'm going to yeah. go inside. I was like out and about and doing sports and stuff like that. So I came on to it, came into it later with the movies and then more so with this show and then like kind of fell in love with that universe and like, oh, this is pretty cool and like having a better understanding of it now. Um, I'm sorry, I lost. I guess what I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what I'm asking. Whether they come or not, how well do you think the the show plays to people who think, aren't unfamiliar? Think like plays. if a friend drags them and they haven't read the book. Oh no! Movies. I think the great thing about the show is that there is something for both sides of that coin. There are the references and the nods to the Potter uh, books and the movies and the lore and stuff like that. But there's also this incredible original story that Matt wrote that really does draw people in, even if you don't have an end to the book. Like my mother, she was like, yeah, I kind of am aware of it. And she was saying like, but the original story, the story of this trio, the story of these, these kids growing up in this house and they were told that, oh, you're the worst house, but mm -hmm. they're still positive and they still, mm -hmm. you know, love and they're still proud of who they are. Um, that story, I feel like, really does bring people in. And then it brings the Potter, the Potter fans over as well. Um, and it's a lot of just awesome, just nerdy people, just people that love the nerd culture and stuff like that, people coming and dressing up and yeah. stuff like that, which is always amazing to see when people come dressed as characters from the yeah. show, which has happened, which is awesome, and people dressed in like puffs, uh, yellow and badgers and stuff like that, which is awesome, yeah. <laughs> so it's a good mix of folks. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, and I know you've been working, you know, a long time and, and pushing forward, mm -hmm. but I haven't really, you know, talked with you about how and, you know, the, the program that I'm starting at the uh, University of Providence mm -hmm. is a theater and business arts program. Mm -hmm. The idea that, you know, as an artist, you need to take care of your own business because mm -hmm. you are a business. So what are the things you've had to do as an actor to forward your career, to forward your business that you really never expected uh, I think it was, doing. yeah, I think it was mainly surrounding myself with like-minded uh, people whose abilities I believed in and who are are kind of artistic uh, goals linked up. Um, uh, case one of my best friends, uh, Nick Korea, mm -hmm. uh, who's also in Puffs. Um, we met doing a West Side Story at really? John Jay, and we became friends because we both had the same kind of interest and same sense of humor and stuff like that. We both were getting into improv. He was doing stuff at uh, UCB, and then I uh, went to the pit. Um, and then we were both at the pit now. Um, but it's just one of those cool things of like meeting people that you're all kind of doing these things together. I mean, I've done, uh, we, we've done improv festivals, which is a really cool way to get, you know, just get your face out there and get your name out there. Um, showcases, uh, the People's Improv Theater, we uh, did a, a, the NBC Diversity Showcase, which is really awesome. So I think it's uh, finding a community of people that are all building each other up, even if that's not an improv theater or a, you know, 
theatrical, you know, troupe or something like that. I think the main thing, when you ask me that, because I'm like, oh, what have I done? (laughs) Was there any singular thing I've done? Because there's been a lot of things that I'm like, I should have, hmm, headshots, (laughs) thing to do. Um, But I think, yeah, I think just really, 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 really taking inventory of the people around you that are doing cool stuff and finding ways to work with them and support their idea, because that goes a long way. I think there's something to be said about people just believing in yourness and your and your and your in your goals and endeavors especially when they link up with your own like there's so many people at the, at the people's improv theater that are all improvisers and they're all writers and they're all creating shows together like you know they're all creating platforms for their own success which i think is something that uh, is happening more and more now with social media there are so many platforms for you to create a yeah. persona and get a fandom <laughs> on your own, aside yeah. from anyone else. So um, it's really cool to build that with other artistic people. So yeah, I think that's the main thing, just being in it, being in the mix, so to speak, constantly and auditioning and all yeah. that, and all that fun stuff and all that cool. How do you um, go about, are you, how, are you still like planting the seeds for future projects or working on, yeah. uh, uh, on building up you know, towards projects Post puffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, talking to you know casting directors and 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 managers and stuff like that, and talking to other performers about you know the shows that they're doing and and you know seeing what comes out of you know what comes out of that and you know who they're talking to and what eyes are on their show. Um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of you know we've been doing this for so long that sometimes you get like comfortable and it's like, well, no, this will not yeah. be here forever. <laughs> this will not yeah. be here forever, um, and you don't want to kind of get caught being like, oh. Now I'm in this vacuum. You kinda, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I have been definitely like still doing improv, still keeping that side of myself sharp because that's definitely what brought me to the dance, so to speak. Yeah. So um, yeah, and looking to write a lot more, produce my own shows uh, based on like some of the interests that I have. Like really looking to maybe get more into that creative again, creating that own your own platform. So I yeah. think that's the next step is kind of trying to build that foundation of like, all right, I can go into theater if I wanted to try to go into on-camera stuff, or if I wanted to go into, you know, writing and producing. I can give myself the keys to those doors, kind of sort of by starting now. So Now, Puffs Runs is doing like one of those alternative schedules. Mm-hmm. It does four performances a week mm-hmm. on the weekends. What do you think are like the advantages and disadvantages as an actor? to that different schedule to other people's runs? You no, know, I think it gives you a chance to take a break from the show, right? I think it gives us a chance, uh, the, the, our run during the week is so compartmentalized that I have a number of days to not think about this yeah. show until, you know, I, have, I yeah. get to hang out with you other people, which is very nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always in the background, but it's like, it's not always, it's not the most prevalent thing in my mind. Once Friday rolls around, it's yeah. like, oh, well, started the here starting the run and like you kind of shift gears but once that sunday performance is done i can go like oh cool i can take a break i cannot think about this so that it still adds a sense of freshness when we come back there's still some things that we 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 still go backstage and go did i preset that thing yeah yeah i preset it yeah 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 Yeah, you know it's it's, so it's still nice to have that right it's still nice to even have that nerve feeling before the show because we don't know what's going to we don't know how the audience is going to respond we don't know because it's such an involving yeah. show. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's, it's nice to have that schedule because we can 
take a break. It's, we can, I, can, I can take a break and then come back to it. Or I can like, think about the show and not think about, oh, it's happening tonight, happening tonight. I can take, think about choices and think about things I'm doing the show. Like, oh, how can I play that differently? Is there a way to, oh, I wonder what that is like. You know, it's kind of nice to be able to sit back and think about the show and not mm -hmm. have it be on the horizon like yeah. that night or the next day or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it is a really nice schedule. Are there, on the flip hand, are there some disadvantages to it? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, the, you are doing, I mean, for us, I think it's we're doing this show that we've been doing so long, back to back to back to back. And like the Saturday, because we have that Saturday matinee yeah. and the evening show, that break in between. Because when we come off that yeah. matinee, it's like your body goes, ah. Yeah. And then you kind of relax. The next thing you know, like, you know, 9 o'clock rolls around. It's like, all right, you got to, you know, rally the, rally the troops, so to speak, and kind of turn the engine back on. Um, so that's really the only disadvantage. I mean, it's such a nice schedule that allows us to like hang out in the city and you know, yeah. we're you know, going to restaurants and trying out stuff. We get to hang out together and like bond as a cat, so uh, cast. So uh, bond as a cat, you hear me? Bond as a cast. Um, yeah. We bond like cats too. We all, we all, we're all very close. <laughs> we're all very close in our dressing room. Um, yeah, it's, 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 there aren't that many disadvantages because I think we've all learned how to manage our energy for that whole weekend so that we're kind of just like, we kind of get into this cool zen-like mode of like, all right, Friday, Saturday too, Sunday, and then before you know it, it's like, oh, I guess we're, I'll, we'll see you next week, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. In the meantime, people can come see you. Oh, yeah, Puffs. absolutely, yeah. What's the website for that? Uh, Puffstheplay.com is, uh, is the website, and there you can find all the ticketing information, and all the info about the show and media and all the and, social media and at stuff. this point it's an open run, right? So. Yeah, we are extended. Uh, we are extended, and we're we're chugging right along. We're moving, moving the, the chains for it, so to speak. Every every weekend. All right. Well, thanks for coming in and chatting. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. And congratulations. Thank it you. Was, and it was great to sit and chat with you and talk with you and uh, yeah. have a, recon a reconnection of sorts. Yeah, it was cool. All right. Good luck. Thank you. And if this type of theater interests you, this kind of collaborative improvisational thing, um, in the unedited interview on the website and in the feed, uh, Langston goes into a lot more detail talking about the people's improv theater or the pit, as well as a lot of other stuff. So be sure you check that out. Talking the Trades. I am here with Zach Murphy, who is the lighting supervisor for the Public Theater. That's me. We're, we're currently in his <laughs> shed at uh, Shakespeare in the Park at the Delacorte Theater. It's a new shed. <laughs> <laughs> you might have remembered a couple of years back, I got a brief kind of lightning round interview with Zach when we were taking a backstage tour, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth uh, over that, what he does. How are you doing? Good. Was that a lightning, a lightning joke? The lightning, the lightning <laughs> no, round? Just the lightning round. I, I interviewed like 10 <laughs> people. Like. <laughs> no, right. I remember. That was good. That was a good time. I'm well. I'm yeah. well. We're in the depths of making uh, Julius Caesar in the park with Oscar yeah. Eustace directing. And you have your first preview tonight, right? Our big old first preview tonight. We had an invited dress last night where we decided that the, it would be really good to get the cast you know, together with a large, you know, group of friends. And so we invited a, you know, a modest 1,100 <laughs> people to come <laughs> see a, uh, just a little, like, invited dress for Sunday, because today's Tuesday. Um, and it went, um, it went smashingly well. It was quite good. It was nice. So what all is involved with your job as lighting supervisor at the public? Because you don't just handle the Shakespeare in the Park productions. You 
handle everything. That's correct. The, yeah. yeah, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I would say everything. Everything lighting oriented with the public theater and uh, everything, everything. So the the way I decide decided to tell how I do my job to people that don't really know what the job is is that I take the producer's money and I take the designer's ideas and I um, figure out how to make them work, how to make them function ultimately. So when a designer is like, hey, I've had this really big idea, and I go, hey, we don't have enough money. <laughs> and then he goes, hey, okay, here's a smaller idea. Or she says, it's a smaller idea, and then we you know, work it out that way. But if it's like, no, I have to have this idea, then we ask them to talk to the producer. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, they're not going to give me any more money, so please have a discussion. And then you work it out. Another part of the job is when a designer does say, I have a really big idea, um, and you know you can't afford it, you have to be clever enough or, you know, enough guile in you to say, well, here's a different way of doing the same idea you just talked about, and then offer it as a suggestion. But if you're really good at your job, you offer three suggestions. You, know, <laughs> you expect some of them to get shot down, yeah. and you hope, that, you hope that you make it work, or you hope you find the money to make it work, or in some cases, the right idea fits the right amount of money. And I mean some cases. <laughs> so how many shows are there in an average year, productions that you are handling at the public oh between that, Shakespeare and everything at the that public. is an amazing question I'm, I don't know I'm gonna look at my calendar um, <laughs> it says there's like because there's like three going on at this moment right uh there are three going on at this moment currently <laughs> yeah. right now um I, I don't really know how many shows we have in a season to be honest because we're just so busy I don't really know what a season means <laughs> you know there's no stopping point uh you just kind of work in this world here at the public where you just have a train of information that never stops, you know, at the station. You just kind of jump on everywhere you can and take whatever you can. And, uh, and you have a large staff to help maintain that. And I have an excellent staff to help maintain it. But ultimately, we have, this summer, we're discussing doing four little productions in the park while we're doing some rather large productions downtown as well, like Hamlet's Coming, which people are very energized about downtown, while we're doing, you know, these other massive productions here. So I don't know how many shows we have this coming season because it's difficult for, for me to wrap my head around uh, what's coming down the line six months away. You know, I just, I think about five months away. You know, that's yeah. about as much as I can do and we work on. Is that about your pre-production window is five months to opening? or uh, It depends. In some cases we uh, are lucky enough to have selected the show and the design team is signed on and the director signed on and we can start really thinking about the idea ahead of time. Um, but usually realities for us in lighting we ended up about two months in advance to start yeah. working on things you know we want longer but that's really what it almost turns into i think schedule wise we have scheduled mm -hmm. to start earlier but yeah. <laughs> because of the realities of signing people aboard and university us i understand same thing always have the best of intentions to get uh <laughs> right I can't, yeah academia is way harder i think but it's close it's close it in the public it's hard well just, you, you just never stop and just never stops and that's uh, exciting, thrilling, and uh, nerve-wracking all at the same time. So, <laughs> for, I, I have a lot of questions. The first yeah. thing I'll say is, because I see a lot of things, do you guys own or rent your instruments, or a mixture we, of both? We own dimmers, because dimmers are kind of a known quantity. The dim dimmers don't often fail. When they do, they fail catastrophically, mm -hmm. but they don't often fail. And so it's good to own a certain amount of dimmers when you run seven theaters, because the public theater is seven venues, yeah. ultimately. And you can take these dimmer racks and move them space to space. And it's interesting because some shows use a ton of dimmers and some shows don't hardly use any dimmers at all since we're moving towards this, you know, 
this new technology of LEDs and moving lights and everybody's moving forward. You don't we need... We just got brand new LED lights and, mo- and we got like nine movers. It's in nice, theater. right? We're pretty it's excited, nice. yeah. They're getting, they're getting smarter and better and better and uh, in time, dimmers will be a thing of the past. You'll have power supplies and you'll have you know power distribution panels and all that thing and then you'll have addresses galore. Um, but I find as, as dimmers aren't used as much, addresses are used more. So the consoles are in need of having larger banks of address usage. I think we're in a, I think we're using a, oh, I don't even remember. This show has a TI, an EOS TI with 8K, with 8,000 addresses on it, and we're close to it. We're close to maxing on it. So um, just for a show in the park, it kind of makes it sound like it's a small show in the park, but it's not. I mean, it's 800 conventionals and 40 or 30 something moving lights. It's a lot. That's a lot to control. Um, The next show poses a larger thing where it's slightly less moving lights, but a whole lot of pixel controlled lighting points. Mm-hmm. And so you've got two scenic elements uh, designed by Tyler. Well, the lighting is designed by Tyler Michelow and two scenic elements that have, you know, 800 pixel points per tree. And that's 800 times three. And there's that, you know, and so you just add the addresses add up. Okay. For those of us who, uh, who are busy, can you, can you, what are 800 pixel points per tree? Uh, well, maybe sure. I should define everything, but I'm, I'm sure myself and there's a few other listeners who sure. might not be. So we found a we found a product, uh, this fun little product online that's a string of tiny, tiny light bulbs, about the size of my, you know, one's pinky, for example, or a small person's thumb. <laughs> and uh, it's a light, and it has a red, blue, and green color inside of it. And then you skip spaces of six inches, and then there's another okay. bulb. And then you control it through a driver controlled by the console, so you plug it into some fun... I'm going to talk to you nicely, technology. And so you're talking like, a, this looks like a Christmas light strip kind of? It's like a Christmas okay. light strip, basically, but each point is individually controlled. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, you run down the, down the line of 800 points, uh, you know, and then you realize that that's just a ton of data. So if each, <laughs> if each little itty-bitty point has to have three things yeah. that it does, you know, what is that, 2,400, uh, right, yeah. addresses? Is that right? I, yeah. Um, for a string of light bulbs, basically, you know, to control mm-hmm. them. And then that's one tree, and then you have another tree. So that's just a mass amount of addresses. And it's not, you know, depending how the designer wants to control it, you don't just say, can I give channel, you know, 1,758 <laughs> at blue you know, <laughs> or something. You know, you, you really kind of mm-hmm. pixel map it, which is like you make a drawing, and then you can highlight the drawing and then say this part of the drawing turns blue, and it helps control it, control it that way, or you work it with magic sheets, and it's, you know... Controlling it becomes uh, the associate and the assistant designer's, you know, main purpose is to help the designer have an understanding of how it all goes. And the designer, of course. Yeah, we've just gotten our new lights. We've kind of started working with them two shows, and it's been, both our shows are techs have run very late and long because they're brand new to us. But is it it just because we're new or in general? Does this, because you're talking about so many addresses and stuff, is this a lot longer programming process than the old, you know, analog, traditional, you know. That's that's actually lights. that's a wonderful question um, that's answered in a couple different ways. One way is yes, it would be uh, a terribly long, mm. a lot longer programming time if you don't spend early time thinking about how you set up your world. You know, just like lighting is like painting. So you mm-hmm. set up your brushes in certain way and your palettes in certain way, and you sit down and you say the big fat paintbrush is going to go to my right. Mm-hmm. You know, and on your console. You pre-program it before you walk in the room and say the button on my right is the big fat paintbrush. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to select very quickly. And you're able to make changes very quickly, but it all takes a significant amount of thinking power before you walk in the room. 
it would be a colossal waste of money and time if you didn't start that process early. Mm -hmm. And so to say it takes, you know, to say it's possible to take longer time programming is true if you don't do the pre-work early. And so, you know, sitting at home with yeah, a see, nice I'm glass catching of wine. Up now. I'm, I, <laughs> you know? I'm finally having to learn lights. I believe her light designer is doing that process, what you're talking yeah. about, which is probably taking so long, because that's how kind of how she's describing it. Yeah. But, yeah, I have to sit in there and start learning about lighting now. This, I've been the, I've been the directing acting guy, and I also do sound well. But uh -huh. I, but I, from what you're talking about, it's kind of like in, when I'm doing audio recording, I have a template set up with all the routings already figured out, exactly. so I can just get to work quick. Exactly. And, so you can walk in the room, know what you're doing, and hit one button, and then the world kind of fixes itself almost. And then you just tinker with those yeah. little buttons that you set aside. Um, so it, it does take longer to program, but not it doesn't take longer in the room to program. And mm -hmm. so because money is a is a tangible object and time is, you know, a questionable object, <laughs> um, you need to spend as little time in the room as possible uh, so the director can do, you know, their job better. You know, you walk in the room and you say, well, I shouldn't say that. I should say stopping for a lighting designer is so not great because mm -hmm. you it's that's just not where you want to be. You never want to be the one that stops tech. You never want to be the one that slows it down. I mean, we as lighting artists are support characters for the director who's a support character for the writer. You know, we're, we're here to support the show as best we can. And when we stop that tech production process, it becomes very difficult. It becomes hard. And so you want to have all your tools laid out in front of you before you walk in the door just to make life better <laughs> for everybody to say, yeah, we can take a break yeah. without going into overtime. <laughs> you know, things like that. It's necessary. It's a necessary part of the job. So it does take longer to program on one end of it. So this has been, I'm assuming as a lighting supervisor, you've got to stay up on a lot of gear trends and too for rentals and purchases. And we do. And this is a pretty tumultuous period of change for lighting, huh? Uh, well, I, you know, it's tumultuous. I don't know. No. I, I think it's exciting. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's fun. It's definitely uh, a rapid, you know, it's, it's us on the little tiny green canoe on the river going down the rapids of like, oh, what's this new light? Yes, we have to have it. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we spent this money demoing this thing. It's not good. Okay, another idea. You know, so the, the stuff is coming down the pike quickly and landing in your plate very, very hard. And you have to like figure out if this is the right thing to do or figure out if it's not the right thing to do. And you, um, you make those decisions quick. And so to, to be able to know what that is, there is a level of needing to step out of the office and go to a demo room or go to LDI and just look at some things and, or send agents out and say, please tell me what this is like. Or, you know, because we're so busy at the public theater, we have the ability to call vendors and then they happily come and help us out, you know. Because you're the public. I guess. <laughs> what do we do in Montana? <laughs> what are our options for figuring out? Because I've already, it is bewildering. And if we want to buy something, it's, we don't have like an option to like so. go look someplace. Well, there's, I mean, there's parts of that yeah. where, I, you know, this may be, uh, I don't know, I may not understand it quite as well because yeah. I have been at the public for so long, <laughs> but I feel like there is a level of the ability to call the people who make the product mm -hmm. and ask for an idea or ask, can you send me a part for me to look at for a week? Or, hey, are you going to be in Montana, you know, coming up in a week? And they say, I'm there in three weeks. And then you set up a kind of demo. And they, the big, the big thing about the public theater that we are have people come and visit us is because we are lucky enough to select and hire and people agree to work here who are very talented and who are you know giants in the career in many ways and the vendors want to impress those people you know, yeah. so when we when we do a show like Hamilton for example and we have something and 
a designer comes in and says, what's this new product? Then people are going to rush over and say, look at this new thing, because they want that designer to want it, to have a shop to buy it. Mm -hmm. And then that shop rents it to the Broadway show. And then that's how they make their money or tour or something like that. Uh, but vendors don't make a lot of money off of us. They just uh, have a lot of face time with other designers. And so people who are in Kansas or people who are in Omaha or you know Montana or something like that, the right thing I think to do is just to reach out and say, hey, are you in the neighborhood in the next year? Or hey, can you mail me something of what this looks like? Or hey, can you discuss things with me? Because it's a, even though you know distance is great, mm -hmm. the people are very close knit, and you have the ability, even in the middle of nowhere, you have the ability to call somebody. I mean, I just called China <laughs> the other day. I was calling the shop in China in the middle of the night to discuss this kind of new LED thing, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, let me give this to you." I mean, I'm just some guy in New York, you know, it's like we're just people around mm -hmm. here and people want to spread ideas and, you know, the smartest idea is going to come from, you know, somebody sitting in their basement thinking about ideas and then says, this is how we change the face of lighting. I mean, LEDs came from somewhere, you know, like. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. And it was great thank talking you. to you, it's Zach Murphy, you too. for shaking hands for those in the audio. We and, shook uh, hands. <laughs> and best of luck as Julius Caesar kicks off. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be great. <laughs>
you know, you could be the most talented individual in the world, but <laughs> there's a lot of talented people in this city. So I think that, you know, being kind to other people, being somebody with ideas who other people want to work with, even if you're just an actor, you know, not even a writer or producer, um, is pretty important. Um, something else that I really got out of this was about creating your own work. And I think I've heard it about 10 times throughout all these. And maybe more. We've done so many. I think there can be a drinking game with the number of times people say exactly. some variation of make your own work. Yes. <laughs> on the show. Oh, it's been, it's been awesome. And, it, and it's, it's, it's one thing said. I really want our students to do at the university. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bummed out that I'm not going to be able to do that. Because um, you said about yeah. having freshmen and sophomore students be heavily involved yeah. in the productions, but then juniors and seniors creating their own works. And that sounds pretty amazing. You know, I don't know if yeah. you're going to change that, but that sounds pretty awesome. I'd love to have done that. But I think, you know, the first time you said it, I was always like, oh, so I'm going to be a, you know, I, I dabble in writing every once in a while, usually short stories, nothing about plays or anything. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll have to write my own plays. And I guess, you know, it it's more than that. I, I've learned throughout these interviews that it's more of creating your work as in not just writing for yourself, yeah. but going out and meeting people, reading, meeting all these writers, um, producers, people who can get you in touch with other people who say, you know, you say, are you writing anything right now? Do you need me? Would you like me to sing something for you? You know, creating your own opportunities for yourself, which I think is pretty invaluable. You know, it might seem... It, you know, in my stage of my career, graduating, yeah. oh gosh, what was it, five, six days ago? Yeah. You know, uh, that's pretty invaluable to learn. And it might seem scary right now, you know, thinking about all that stuff. But, you know, all these people that I've met seem just so confident in those ideas that it's, you know, hard to overlook that in what they're saying is so important. So, yeah. All right. So uh, would this be... Would coming and hanging out and working on Broadway Bullet be something you'd recommend to other people? <laughs> oh, I would recommend it to everybody. Oh, it was fantastic. And I mean, I don't know how selective that is, but I would take your time at the university knowing that you could do this and meet so many amazing people. I think I've met, you know, three pretty heavy, in my opinion, Broadway stars, you know, including James Barber, like the current <laughs> Phantom. And that is just fantastic to be able to hear the words of wisdom from these people, be able to listen to their conversations, what they're doing right now. I would just recommend anybody at the university who would ever want to be able to do something like this is to really um, take your time in the arts seriously there, um, put your best foot forward no matter what you're doing in classes. And I got to see a bunch of free shows. <laughs> so that's amazing too, you know. All right. All right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks. Listening room. Matt Bartolo had just graduated, and as a great singer, I made a graduation gift of a vocal demo for him to take with him. A uh, practice I'll probably do with all the singers that graduate from our program. And in any case, I thought I'd let you hear uh, how his voice is. This is him singing This Is the Moment from Jekyll and Hyde. This is the moment. This is the day. When I send all my doubts and demons on their way 
every endeavor I have made ever is coming into play, is here and now, today. This is the moment, this is the time. When the momentum and the moment are in rhyme Give me this moment, this precious chance I'll gather up my past and make some sense at last This is the moment when all is the day see it sparkle and shine when all I've lived for becomes mine for all these years I have faced the world alone and now the time has come to prove to them I've made it on my own The sweetest moment of them all This is the moment Damn all the odds This day or never I'll sit forever with the gods When I look back I will always recall Moment for moment this was the moment, the greatest moment of them Call. That wraps up another episode, Volume 802. We are going to be back with Volume 803 in August. In fact, I believe that should be going up August 8th. Got some more great stuff for you. Again, our whole season lineup is at uh, broadwaybullet.com. You can check it out. Also, if you've just recently graduated and haven't decided on a school yet, or if you auditioned for a school, didn't get into your first choice, so it's a brand new year. We're going to have a nice, small, intimate class. You can get guns of attention, and I'd love to see you there. So um, if you want to find out more information or uh, talk to me, give me your information. You can send that to me at uh, broadwaybulletnyc at gmail.com, or you can find out more information about the program at uprovidence.edu or at our website. Uh, the school just changed the name, so the information on the website is still kind of skimpy getting all that um, information up there. So uh, within that, I hope to see you again in Volume 803, and uh, we'll 
we'll take another ride together. I'd like to give one more thanks again to our location sponsor, the DG Fund. Uh, without their space, uh, this would be a very expensive program. So uh, we thank you so much, and you guys should check out everything they offer to artists. All right, see you later. Thank you.